Reminding us where we find safety and security in a world like ours, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You're safest and most secure when you allow God to be your shepherd. And David, at this time, he could have picked a lot of descriptions, a lot of different analogies. He could have said, the Lord is my commander-in-chief, and I am his warrior. He could have said, the Lord is my king, and I am his ambassador. He could have said, the Lord is my attorney, my advocate, and I am his client. But David chose to lay down his life and say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I am his sheep. This is amazing grace. can be fearless when the Lord is your shepherd, but what does it mean to have the Lord as your shepherd? What does it mean that we are his sheep? We'll find out today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll get some answers from Psalm 23 as we begin a series called With, short for With the Shepherd and His Sheep. Let's lean in and hear what Pastor Ed has to say. We have a good shepherd. The words of Jesus in John 10, 11, so encouraging to our souls. Listen, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. These are so comforting and encouraging. To know our Savior as the protector and as the guard and as our help in life. It's quite amazing. For what we deserve, we don't get what we deserve. But instead, God takes care of us, watches over us. And who is this shepherd? Well, David knew him very well. We meet a young man by the name of David early on in the scriptures. And God, he uses this young boy to reveal to us great faith, great perseverance. And through his life, we see that eventually God places him upon the throne as king. And it was sometime in his life, David wrote Psalm 23. Now, he wrote a lot of psalms. But sometime in his life, he gave to us this very memorable psalm. It's just, in the New King James, it's just six verses, 117 words, and yet full of timeless truths. It's a psalm so simple that a little child can memorize it and even grasp its basic meaning. And yet at the same time, it's deep and profound and incredibly encouraging. It's so popular that believers and unbelievers of light, I mean, it's probably uh, of the top 10 Bible, probably the top two Bible verses that are memorized and remembered, John 3.16 and Psalm 23. There are keychains and magnets and wall hangers, and so many even listening to me right now have memorized Psalm 23. Most of us memorized it in the old King James Version, and it's deeply embedded in our heart and our soul. But it is good from time to time, not only to revisit it, as I find myself doing. I find myself not just from memory, but I'll actually open up my Bible, the paper Bible, not my iPad, not not other ways. I'll take my paper Bible and I'll just begin to read God's word to me about he being my shepherd. 
walking me through very difficult situations, times of battle in my mind. And I'd encourage you to do that as well. If you haven't memorized Psalm 23, let today be the beginning. And just memorize it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, just the first verse ministers to our heart. Now, a couple things before we jump into the text. First of all, I want to point something out to you as Bible students. Because Psalm 23 comes in between Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. And I know, of course, 22, 23, and 24. But it's neat how the translators put this together so that we see different pictures of who Jesus is in relation to the revelation of himself in the Psalms. So for those of you that that know this, you Bible students, you know, Psalm 22 is the Psalm of the suffering Savior. It's actually a prophetic Psalm pointing toward the crucifixion before crucifixion was even invented, before it was perfected by the Romans. And then you have Psalm 23, the good shepherd. So you have the suffering Savior, the good shepherd, and then in Psalm 24, you have Jesus portrayed as the conquering, returning king. And it's just good. This is just such a sweet place to know what Jesus has done for us, even as we have communion today. To remember who he is to us. And then also in Psalm 24, to remember who he will be to us. So good and so encouraging, this section of scripture. Let's lay before you another question, and that is, when did David write this? Many times in the scriptures, in the Psalms, you can actually see uh, when David wrote it. Like, for example, we just looked at recently that when David went into the caves of En Gedi, you open up to the Psalms and you find right at that title up there, David wrote this when he was in the caves of En Gedi. But we don't have that with Psalm 23. With Psalm 23, we have some options. Like, there's a lot of theories. Let me give you just three of them of times when David could have written Psalm 23. The first one is many people believe that David wrote Psalm 23 while he was on the run in a rock refuge, just sitting there meditating on the safety uh, the shepherd has given to him. A second theory was some say that it was written after the rebellion of his son Absalom, after this close betrayal that David again was on the run while he was wandering through the dusty desert place in his life. Others suggest, thirdly, that he wrote it while he was walking through the Valley of Elah. You remember it was the Valley of Elah where little David defeated Goliath, or at least God defeated Goliath through little David's faith. And he was thinking back on God's faithfulness. I don't know which one of the three is the time that David wrote it. I kind of side with one of the two, only by personal experience, because I have found that God has meant so much to me at my moment of greatest need, at my moment of greatest weakness, the times that I'm able to spend intimately with my father, with my Abba, my Abba daddy, if you will, are so precious and so powerful. And those are the times that I find I need him the most, that I'm reminded we're not alone in the trials and difficulties of life. And even as we find ourselves in one of the most difficult times that we've ever experienced globally together, I was reading recently, someone said, uh, someone put this online. They said, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And we are saying we're living in unprecedented times. And I think they were trying to be a little sarcastic 
as if we're saying unprecedented times is undermining what Solomon said. But I actually think both are true. I I absolutely 100% believe what Solomon said, that there is nothing new under the sun and that difficult times have come to the world at other times and pandemics and difficulties and depressions and recessions. Absolutely. In that sense, there's nothing new under the sun. However, in the sense of you and I, like for me, this is an unprecedented time for me, personally, for you. I think together for us as a church. In the 20 years that we've been together as a church family, we have certainly been through a lot together. A lot of difficulties, a lot of warfare, a lot of things that have affected the whole church and people coming and going and difficulties and and crises and trials, certainly. But this is the first time for us as a fellowship family, along with churches around the world. Even as I was checking in this morning with our, uh, one of our missionaries in Italy and what they faced with, in, with going on in Italy and all the things there. Like it is, we are sharing this with churches around the world. And some are worse than others for sure. But together, these are unprecedented times. And for unprecedented times, God has reserved for us his word, of course. But Psalm 23, so encouraging to me. I encourage you and I pray that it's encouraging to you. Pick up with me in verse 1, would you? Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice it's the Lord who's our shepherd. Not only our shepherd, but the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that takes care of me. Now with your Bibles open, if you have a New King James, I want you to notice, because I'm using the New King James, notice the word Lord is in all caps. So it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the translator's way of telling us that this is the divine name of God. Of what the Jews today say, the, un, the rabbis say, the unpronounceable name of God. Just four consonants, Y-H-W-H, and some say Y-H-V-H. And when, because they're only consonants, it's not pronounceable. But so what we have done is, is some have put vowels there so that you know this name normally as Yahweh, even as we sing songs about Yahweh, or Jehovah. This is the divine name of God. When David thinks of his current condition, and he thinks of his relationship to the shepherd, he says it's God, the very essence of who God is. It's his name. He's my shepherd. Not just any God, little g. Not just who I think God is. Not just who I've learned. No, God in his very essence, Yahweh, Jehovah is my shepherd. I think about that in our own lives, right? Like for me, my name is Ed. In some instances, Edward. And I look at my life, and that, that's the name that describes me. That's my name. Other people share my name. Like I, my son, Eddie, shares my name. And we shared some characteristics in our lives. But I have my, I'm, my, I'm myself, and I'm Ed, who I am. And he was Eddie, or even Ed later in his life, and who he was. And it was very unique to him. And you could tell we had the same name, but we were different. My dad, the same thing. My dad also shared our name, Ed. And, and we shared a few characteristics with him. But he was his own unique man. And his name represented who he was individually. And then I think in my own life, not only do I have a name, but I have a lot of different roles. Like, like, so I'm Ed, the husband, and I'm married to a very wonderful woman, beautiful in every way. 
I'm also Ed, the pastor, and I have, I have an opportunity to shepherd the best congregation ever. Like you, you know, it's just unbelievable the privilege that I have to pastor and serve here. I'm also Ed, the dad, and I'm a father to beautiful, wonderful kids. And, and what a wonderful opportunity God has given me there. I'm also Ed, the friend, and I have many, many wonderful friends in my life. But when I think of myself as husband, pastor, friend, dad, those all describe what I do in life. But my name describes who I am, not just what I do. There are many names that describe who God is and what God is like throughout the Bible. And even in Hebrew culture, when you were given a name, it usually wasn't right at birth. It was usually a few weeks later, maybe a month, sometimes even years, that a name was given to a child after they found out what kind of personality they had. And when it came down to it, David says, my shepherd, the one that takes care of me, the one that I look to, the one that I follow, the one that I know his voice is Yahweh. Jot it down in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. God describing himself as a shepherd is not new. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. And gather his lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And that's the heart. That's God's heart. When I think of God, we can think of him as our shepherd. You know what that makes you and me? That makes you and me sheep. And in our minds, we kind of have this view of the cuddly, cute, little, beautiful sheep. Ah, you know, so, so clean and, and so beautiful, just kind of like a little pet. But to be called a sheep is not necessarily the best compliment for you and for me. I guess the kindest way to say it is this. Sheep are not the smartest animals on the farm, you know. Some would even say they're the dumbest animals on the farm, but sheep have their limitations. They have their challenges. And, and as you think about sheep, as God puts that on us, it only reveals to us greatly that we need a shepherd, that we are unable to care for ourselves. You know, when you think of sheep, sheep have a tendency to follow each other around, even to the point of jumping off a cliff. If one sheep jumps off, I remember reading an article that sheep after sheep after sheep after sheep would jump off right after them. And I think in the, you know, thinking of that myself, I think of all the dumb decisions that I've made in life because I was following the crowd and not the Lord. Because I was listening to someone's opinion or I was listening to someone, you know, they're sharing me what's going on in their life and I thought, well, maybe that should be going on in my life. And instead of just, Lord, what do you have for me? You're my shepherd. You're the one that leads. You're the one that guides me. And I think of, like a sheep, how many dumb decisions I've made just because simply I've followed the crowd. You know, when you think of sheep, I'm sure you've never heard of a sheep trainer, have you? I mean, if you were to go onto one of the job sites, indeed.com or whatever, you're not going to find anybody saying, we are looking for a sheep trainer. Because sheep are basically untrainable. They're limited in their abilities. Sheep are defenseless. They have no claws. They have no fangs. They can't even bite their enemies to death. Sheep are easily spooked and easily overcome by animals as small as a squirrel. You know, in sports, we have these teams that are described as the Chicago Bears. 
here in our own town, the Denver Broncos. But you've never heard of the Los Angeles Lambs, have you? Oh no, they're the Rams. Even though perhaps sometimes they play that way, they're not known that way. And in the big statements that are made, like the one lions and tigers and sheep, no, that's not how it is at all. Sheep get dirty and they stay that way. They have no real personal means to clean themselves, nor do they care. If they fall over, they can get into a place and a position when they fall over, they can't even get back up to their feet on their own. They are an animal that's in great need of someone's help. And doesn't that describe us so many ways? I mean, when you think of many of these descriptions and we bring them into the human realm, we are defenseless without someone to protect us. We are in need of a power outside of ourselves to learn what it means to follow, to be trained and discipled. We're limited in our abilities. We can be easily spooked ourselves and scared, and we can easily become anxious and worried, and we can fret a lot about a lot of things. Well, we have a tendency to be dirty ourselves, even stained by sin, and unable to clean ourselves. We cannot deal with the sin issue on ourselves. I prayed earlier, I had this burden for people that are describing themselves as addicted. You are unable to handle that addiction in your own strength. As a matter of fact, as you begin to identify that addiction, you realize that God wants to deliver you from it. But you only wake up to it every day. Your body feels it. And like a sheep, we have no way to clean ourselves. Even though day after day, people try. God wants us to understand something when it comes to our needs. Not only, number one, are we a needy people, but listen, God wants us to know that we are strong and we are smart and we are safe and we are secure when we let him be our shepherd. And in just a few moments, I'm going to invite some of you listening and watching right now to receive God as your shepherd, to admit your great need your great need of forgiveness. Look, you're just not going to make it on your own. Listen, you're just not going to make it on your own. The Bible says, Jesus himself, that unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. And it requires you, it requires me, as I did 29 years ago, to admit that I've sinned against a holy and a righteous God. And I really didn't need much convincing of the condition of my life in that time. And I'm certain as you examine your own life, you don't need much convincing. You know that you're not a perfect person. You know that you are not going to get into heaven on your own. You know, oh, everybody gets into heaven. Well, then what kind of heaven is that? What kind of heaven is just everybody gets in no matter what they do? No, heaven is reserved for a prepared people. Heaven is reserved for a prepared people. And God prepares you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to be prepared for heaven, friends. You're safest and most secure when you allow God to be your shepherd. And David, at this time, he could have picked a lot of descriptions, a lot of different analogies. He could have said, the Lord is my commander-in-chief, and I am his warrior. He could have said, the Lord is my king, and I am his ambassador. He could have said, the Lord is my attorney, my advocate, and I am his client. But David chose to lay down his life and say, the Lord is my shepherd and I am his sheep. And notice, what's the result? The result in verse one is I shall not want. 
The result is I shall not want. Now there's two sides to that. The one side is very obvious, and that is God, our shepherd, will provide all of our needs. And that's just such a blessing. I just know that God will provide for all of my needs. And until this moment, right now, in this breath I've just taken, in the next breath, in the next breath, God has provided for me all throughout my life. He provided for me as an unbeliever. He's provided for me as a believer. He's been an abundant, gracious, good God. And he provides. And that's great. But I want you to see, I think David has the other side of that coin. I don't think he so much wants us to understand the providing. I think he wants us to learn that there comes a place in life where we don't have a need. I shall not want. And we think of how many wants we have in life. I want to buy a house. I want to buy a car. I want to gather together as a church. All these wants, 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 good, bad, sinful, not sinful, it doesn't even matter. And we just know the solution to the wants is when I realize that God is my shepherd and I'm not going to have any wants. God, God is my shepherd brings me to that moment by moment place of contentment and peace that I'm desperate for. And I'm not going to want stuff. He's going to take care of everything that, that would have to do with my wants. Like the Bible says that God will keep us in perfect peace, Isaiah 26, whose mind is stayed on him. And I shall not want that place of peace, that place of contentment. God will supply all of my needs. Notice verse two, my shepherd makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. So here's how the shepherd begins to take care of me. He makes me lie down. Now, how does he do that? How does the shepherd make me lie down? Well, he has a lot of different ways to do that. I think one of them is sickness. Sickness is used by God in all of our lives to lay us down and make us rest. He makes me lie down. And sickness is one of them. I know when I get sick, I'm just basically, in the early years when I was younger, I'm just like going to fight through it. I'm not going to call in sick. I'm going to go and I'm going to make it happen. And then all I did was prolong my sickness and make it longer. And now these days, not only for myself, but for others, I'll just say, hey man, rest it out. Rest it out. That's why you have sick time. Just rest it out because if you don't, it's going to be longer and might even get worse. And so the fact that God would allow sickness, you know, we get a cold or whatever it might be, we're down, we're laying down, we're resting. Sometimes it is by sickness or illness. We'll consider more on how our shepherd makes us lie down next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to conclude this teaching on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, perhaps someone listening has been made to lie down by an illness or some other circumstance. Would you address them for a moment as we close? You know, Larry, this is one of the more difficult ways that we lie down is to go through a prolonged trial or illness that has literally taken away our ability to move and get around. And and I, I think a sickness, you know, that allow us to rest even though we don't want to rest. You know, having recently faced uh, the COVID virus and having the quarantine impressed upon you, uh, it's one thing to rest, but it's another thing to rest when you want to get up. And so for those of you that are sick right now, those of you that are resting but want to get up, I want to encourage you to trust the shepherd. Trust Jesus that he knows 
what is needed for you personally. He is the good shepherd, not the bad shepherd. He not only knows what's good for you personally, but for those around you. And I know it's hard and I know it's challenging. I mean, I don't know exactly how hard and how challenging it is for you, but I know in those times in my life how hard and challenging it is for me. And so together we could say it's hard and challenging for us, but the Lord is faithful and he makes us lie down. He knows we need rest. He knows we need to pause. And I pray encouragement into your life that you would experience and feel the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. That is very helpful and encouraging. Thanks, Ed. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. We've just released Pastor Ed's new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We all suffer and experience pain, and maybe for you that's been at an all-time high in recent months. God stands ready to help us when we experience a troubled heart. Perhaps you've experienced a deep grief or a painful trial recently, or know of someone who has. I know you'll be blessed and encouraged as you read God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.